Welcome back, Fungo Banner fans. Guys, it's been a long hiatus of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner podcast. I am Eric Sorensen in the new Big Country Studios, joined already by Jason and Kelly. Guys, it's been a long time, but we're finally back. The Fungo Banter crew is back. Good to be home. Good to be back. That's right, baby. Well, we got to talk about Devo Bats before we get going in this episode anymore. Guys, check them out. As we know, this is the week of Thanksgiving. Black Friday shopping is here. A little different this year. So get on their website. They have Black Friday cyber through Cyber Monday sale. They need to clear it all out. So get on there. Check them out. Get on their Instagram for all their updates. And a lot of fun things coming that we can't talk about yet. But they got a lot of cool stuff coming, guys. And you need to get start following them. Get on their Instagram. Check it out because there's a lot of cool Christmas presents coming. I, I, I won't say any more. And also keep on the lookout. There is a Fungo Banter 10% discount on all Devo Bats coming soon to an internet website near you. Guys, uh, it, it's been a long time. I don't remember when the last time we recorded it is. A lot has happened. Life has smacked us in the face. We've all been busy. Uh, how's it going? How you guys been? Good. Big country, good. Uh, you know, just glad to be back and getting some back to some normalcy. Hopefully we'll be closer to, uh, I mean, of course, you know, I love the holiday season. Uh, hope, I mean, I think everybody does, you know, I mean, Thanksgiving and probably Christmas are my two favorite holidays of the year. And usually, uh, you know, Kelly, right after Christmas, you know what that means? College baseball, bud. Let's go. Yep. Just been busy prepping for the year and taking advantage of being able to be back on a baseball field, something that the last time we got going or we got this thing started, we weren't, we weren't anywhere near a baseball field at that point in time. So things are looking up. Absolutely. You know, there was a, there's a lot of fun possibilities that we have coming with the, with the Fungo Banner podcast. You guys, we've had a great following. Uh, Like I said, we're almost up to, I believe I said 6,000 listens so far. And I know one thing that we had planned and I hope next year that we are, able to do it in the UW parking lot. Apple Cup week, unfortunately, got canceled. We had a big tailgate planned before COVID. We were going to tailgate the Fungo Banner, have a coach's retreat. So keep an eye out. Life gets back to normal. We'll be getting that that uh, Fungo Banner tailgate going. Uh, we'd like to be doing a lot more stuff, but right now we got the we got the podcast going. So, uh, And while we're talking about that, get on our Twitter, our Facebook, we are giving away a coach's hitting jacket. For those of you that get on iTunes, rate and review. And while you're doing that, take a screenshot after you've submitted it. Tweet at us, and the, we will put your name into a drawing. So get on iTunes, write a review, rate it, screenshot, send a tweet or a Facebook. Send us a DM. Send us anything on the, on the, the thread. And we'll put your name in a drawing for a Fungo Banner Coach's Hitting Jacket, Cage Jacket. And the winner of that, I will throw in a t-shirt and a hat. So you get the Cage Jacket, t-shirt, hat. I'm excited. We're excited to hear from you guys. Get those rates and reviews out there for us. We will give you some more directions on the social media. So we'll keep an eye out for that and hopefully give away some more free swag. So Kelly, talk to us about how fall ball went for you. Oh, man, it was good to be back. You know, I think, I mean, for us, it was something that not everyone else had the opportunity to do, whether high school level, other colleges throughout the country, throughout the area um, that weren't as fortunate 
as we were to be back on a field. Um, obviously, things are different. Probably looks a lot similar as the college and pro football games on TV right now with different rules and masks and distance and, and those type of things. But a lot of that goes away when you start prepping for just the game of baseball in general, prepping for a season, getting the excitement of young freshmen out there um, that had their season take away, didn't have much baseball in the summer. Um, great to be back, back out with guys, coaching staff prepped really well um, to kind of get things going. And, you know, you got to take things in stride. I think that was kind of our message this whole fall is that, you know, we've had something taken away from us, so don't waste a day. Um, and, and I think our guys really embraced that and, and did a good job with it. You know, there's a lot of learning that goes into this and a lot of conversations with other coaches, uh, administrators, all those things to kind of make this thing tick. And, and no one's going to get it perfect because it's not the normal setup, the normal thing. But, you know, we still got the scrimmage, still got to take a round ball, still got to take a BP. Um, the baseball aspect did not change the things. It was just kind of some of the circumstances around it. So um, I, I know, you know, your guys' teams, anyone else listening that didn't have a chance to be around their players this this fall, uh, they're going to be fired up when you get back going again. And, and I know everyone will be in a better place once they do get to get back and playing baseball and doing the things that they love. So I'm hopeful for everyone, the high school season, uh, the college season, you know, baseball in general, um, you know, I look forward to a lot of other people getting those same butterflies, getting a chance to be back out there again. So um, things are moving forward, and, and I'm very hopeful for the year and, and for everyone else out there that, you know, gets their season or some semblance of a practice season here real soon. I know I'm I'm really, you know, we didn't get to, get to do anything this fall uh, for personal reasons for me, but uh, why we didn't get any schedule going, but it's just, it was a lot and a, and a lot of regulations going on, but no, I a hundred percent agree with you. I, I can't wait. And I know that our kids are so excited to be able to get out on the field. And I know that's even been kind of my, my brainstorming thing is how are we going to make up for lost time here? And how are we going to, the kids that still haven't had any fall baseball and, and a lot of brainstorming. So, and I'm looking forward to covering those topics here, uh, here, here coming up in future podcast episodes. You know, guys, I, I kind of look at it as it's almost like, you know, we got, you know, Thanksgiving coming up this week and, and we got Christmas coming up next month. And, you know, if, you know, when you're young, how you anticipated, you know, Christmas day and you couldn't get yourself to go to sleep <laughs> or you wanted to go to sleep so bad because you know, like you get your rest, you can, the earlier you get up, the better, you know, you can get dive into your gifts. And I, I've seen it um, with our players is that, you know, the kids are anxious. They really want to get back into it. They're really excited. They're asking, you know, a lot of questions. I mean, um, I don't know how much on your part, Eric, but I mean, I'm assuming it's probably as much as I am. I mean, of course, the WIA is trying to inform as much as the changes are going on with the governor and these, you know, shutdowns and these opens and all these things and what's happening. And, but, you know, it's just like, I'm getting kids are texting me and, and still calling coach where we're at, you know? So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, we're getting closer to a vaccine, you know, things will change a lot when that comes out, you know, I think, uh, it's just exciting. And like you're saying, Kelly, you know, it's just like the, you talk about the butterflies, it's like, you know, that first day, you know, it's kind of like that first day of school getting back out, you know, I mean, you, you know, the rhythm, but you're just, you're excited and happy to be out there. 
I, I'm totally with you, man. And I, and I think that I am very, I don't know, I don't know, it's just my gut telling me this, but I have a very confident feeling that baseball will be at least the sport that will happen this spring. I think it's the most thing that, you know, I, I knew how, you know, Kelly had some things run this summer and how well you ran it, and, and we've been able to follow <clears throat> the right protocols that you can do and the safety measures you can take, and I just feel like, it's the sport, the spring sports are going to be the easiest one that we can get back on the field. And I'm so pumped about that because, uh, you know, they're not having a prep kid test matchup this year. What in the world, man? That was just, that was terrible. But so, guys, we. Oh, you know, we <laughs> go ahead. Set that up, man. Kelly, you can set that up for us, you know, maybe. That's right. <laughs> Middle ground. I don't know if I can make any deals per NCAA requirements <laughs> on this thing, but that, that I'd love to come. see two guys get after yeah. it and be a neutral That'd party. Be, It'd be a dream. Yeah, it'd be fun. Well, I think we were, we started a, a rivalry called the Battle for the Columbia River, so it'll be kind of fun to see where we can go with that one. But uh, so we, we're, we're just over 30 episodes. This will be like our 31st or 32nd. And we're going to go ahead and say that's a wrap on season one. And so today, before we get into season two coming up very soon, we just wanted to go through a few of the great episodes that we've had in a couple blurbs. And we, the more we talked about it, the more there was a common theme of culture and building players up. And I think that was everybody that we had on our, on our, our podcast so far. And I've got a few clips and our tech guy pending. He did it right. There's going to be some fun clips play, played for you guys here in a second. And uh, you know, it, there was so many and it was so hard. I spent most of the day listening to our, past episodes trying to dig up things like you guys have done too. And, and uh, I, I still feel, feel very fortunate out of all the bad things that have come from 2020 and the COVID and the shutdowns and everything. The one really good thing that came from it is that we started doing this podcast. Uh, and to, for me, whether we had any listeners or not, it's been fun to grow and to learn and to be firsthand on this thing. And it's also been fun being able to reach out to new people that have, that have started following us and to communicate with us and, and growing the baseball world in the Pacific Northwest. And I just I just am so pumped about what has happened with the Fungo Banner podcast, and I just know that where we're going, it's just going to get better and better and better. And, and before we get into this, is thank you guys, because you if it wasn't for you guys, I wasn't going to do this. And to push both of you within like a half hour or two phone calls, I said, we need to do this. And I think a lot of great things have come from this so far. So, guys, with that, Let's jump into some of the episodes that we have had. And one of the first ones we had kick us off, Jeff Calhoun, head coach at Biola University. Uh, a lot of great points. And actually, I, I had a few of them all cut out and, and for audio, and then we changed it and added another one. So um, talking about his team, they had a great start this year and the culture that they were building and, and, and were able to – too bad they didn't get to finish their season. But the culture and what they're building there in that university – we talked, we talked a little about some culture stuff. Um, I, I think that what we found at, at St. Martin's is, is we've gotten such a better uh, product on the field from guys really having strong relationships with each other off the field and encouraging those things. You know, we want guys to be able to hang out together. We see them shooting hoops together in the, in the rec center or, or hitting extra on their own. Um, how, how have kind of some of those relationships been uh, within your team? How do you kind of help forge some of that when everyone's kind of toe in the water with a first-year coach trying to figure out what I'm going to be and they're fighting for 
you know, who's going to be the starter. This coach said that I'm sure you said everyone has their own unique opportunity and it doesn't matter if you're new, old, young, freshman, senior scholarship, not scholarship. Mm -hmm. So how have you kind of been that middleman for them and, and kind of help create some of those relationships and, and maybe some, uh, some fun stuff, activities. I know we've, we were talking before you got on about some of the Twitter stuff you put out there. So how does some of that stuff come up and, and where do you see it kind of that importance thing of, of guys just, just uh, enjoying being around each other? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, um, you know, obviously coming in as a new staff, we, we kind of set a standard of, Hey, if you're not a good person, you're not going to be a good player. Um, you know, guys that aren't good people, usually struggle in college sports, to, especially at our level of division two, non-division one, really um, they struggle um, because if they're not a good person, they're probably not great in the classroom. If they're not great in the classroom, they're not going to be eligible. They're not helping anybody. Mm-hmm. And so we just explained that, Hey, every decision you make affects our team and affects our program and affects our future. And that's kind of been the challenge of, of the legacy idea that a lot of schools talk about. But again, this was kind of something I came up with when, um, I was the assist when I was the assistant at UCSD and just really being in charge of what I being really good at what I do. And so I was like, Hey, like, all right, like I'm in charge of catchers. The mindset was, Hey, we're going to be the best catching group in the country one through four. And so the mindset was, Hey, if you're the starter that day, you've worked your tail off enough to be the best catcher in the country. Like that's the mindset. And then if you're the backup, you're the best backup in the country. You're the best second string catcher in the country. So mm-hmm. when you go one with a pitcher in between innings, you're showing off that you're better than everybody else is number two. Right. And then our third guy would be on a chart potentially. And it's like, Hey, like you're the best chart guy in the country. You're the best at what you do. Cause then when you get your opportunity to play, you've earned the right now to be the starter and be the best guy mm-hmm. or to be in the mm-hmm. game. And it really did create this culture. And so we had, you know, we called it the pit and that's kind of been the catching unit everywhere I've been. And, you know, we joke about it being a fraternity of guys I've got to coach. So, you know, the Westmont catchers know who the UCSD catchers were when I was working there. And then last year, Point Loma, you know, there was that relationship of, you know, guys that are in pro ball that came back and wanted to be around it. And so they're like, Hey, we're training, we're working with your guys. And, you know, now working here, you know, our volunteer assistant, Ryan Crow, caught for me at Westmont. And so he's working with catchers with me, and he's I mean, one of the original pit members. So for him, it's like, this is a fraternity. This is a big deal. This is what we're about. And that was kind of something that we did there. And then when I went to Point Loma as the offensive guy, working with the hitters and catchers and working with the defense, I was like, all right, that's the mindset for our hitters is, you know, if you're one through nine, you're the best eight hitter in the country. You're the best whatever. You're the best at what you do. And then coming here with the whole unit, it was like, hey, whoever's starting are the best nine players on our team right now. And that, like, in this moment, they're the best player on our team at that job. Mm-hmm. And you've earned that right. And so that's where the competition came in because we use the line a lot. We're only as good as our worst guy. And so if there's a guy that's struggling in the weight room or behind, like, one of the – whoever their leadership uh, – our, our leadership team we had, we they drafted who their – five guys where they were on their team if he's on your team like you got to keep bringing him along and mm-hmm. keep dragging him into the weight room and doing more stuff and keep helping him out because he's your responsibility because then if he's not doing it you're in charge of him so you're not holding him accountable and then you're letting the rest of the team down so that right. really kind of it, it caused this like buddy system almost of like hey if 
one of our senior leaders was going to the weight room, the odds were there was a freshman or another young guy that was going to go with him. It wasn't right. just him by himself crushing the arm farm. It was like, <laughs> hey, there's some freshmen in there that are trying to get over 140 pounds. So, oh, great. Like, like, all right, like, you look at you put some weight on, you're up to 150. That's awesome. Like, you can really tell. When, you know, as a coach, like, you can't tell between 140 and 150. There's really not that much difference. But, I mean, guys are working. Yeah, you guys, you know, to, you know, the, the key of culture is so important um, with everything that we do, you know. I mean, we're, you know, we have this podcast and we're talking a lot about baseball and teams and different levels and things like that. But, you know, I think, guys, that to kind of add to Calhoun's thing on cultures that uh, it's really important that we set that trend right and then do it the right way. Um, you know, I think sometimes as coaches, we can like set a culture, but we can set a negative culture to can be a hindrance to our team. It's kind of like the whole, uh, you know, one bad C can ruin it or one bad apple can ruin the batch. And, you know, and if you don't set it to the, you know, the right, level you know in the sense of of challenging kids I, I like how Calhoun is you know is is what we've seen that in our overall season one here of banter is is that everybody has a high bar of culture and if you look back and everybody's program who has a lot of success and, not, and I'm not saying just success in numbers win losses but success as individuals um you talk about um you know Oregon State you know, with uh, Pat Bailey, I mean, he, he was talking about he, he hadn't had one kid ever get a divorce, you know, and that's even goes back to his years at, at um, George Fox. And that was the culture in which he set, you know, I mean, to, you know, when they would go out of town, you know, um, cleaning the room so they don't need to have somebody come in and, and uh, you know, do it for them, you know, setting that bar saying we're going to be above an a, a approach and, um you know, I, I think that's huge. I mean, we, we've done this with ourselves at Tri-City Prep, you know, and you think about high school baseball. Uh, yeah, it's high, it's important, but it, it doesn't matter if, if you're a 1B school or 4A high school or even a JUCO, you know, college school or even a, a D1 school. If you don't have the light, right culture, what are you doing as a coach? You know, and it gets to the point where, you know, I mean, we are here to instruct kids to um, give them the tools that are needed for the, the you know, the, the betterment of, uh, of their life. I mean, to help with our culture, you know, and if we aren't giving and doing our part, then what good are we, you know? So I, I really think it, it guys, that, that culture is a very important key to building a successful program. And I think we have to also remember, gets back to what I was just saying <laughs> just a few seconds here is that, don't measure success solely on numbers, you know, look at what your kids are doing. If, if I have a kids, you know, group of 20 kids and we want one in 20 on that or one in 18 on that season. Yeah. you could say, well, the numbers didn't say they were successful, but if every one of those kids go out and I, and I got, you know, five doctors and I got six lawyers and I got two mayors and one's going to be a president, I, I feel like maybe I've done my job that's helping, you know, build up our society. I mean, this is, that's, I, that's how I really measure, you know, success and setting that right culture in, in your program. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think a lot of things in, in, for any coach, it's, it starts with a set of standards. Um, 
to really prioritize what's most important to you and your program and, and those things that you want to get out of your players that ties in baseball. It could be life outside baseball, but a lot of times they're just, they're just the inevitable parallels that work across multiple lines. You know, for us, we, we start with attitude and effort or kind of our biggest two pillars within our program. And, and, you know, 99.9% of the time, if, if attitude's good and effort's good, we're going to be all right with you. Um, you know, and, and being able to correct those things on the spot, you know, you see something that goes af goes outside of that, that goes against the team. Um, you, you just got to correct it right away, you know, and, and, you know, I, I think Lou Holtz had a great quote in, in times past. It's, you know, criticize the, the performance, not the person, you know, and a lot of that can be tied back to that attitude and effort type thing. And, and the other thing he hit on is, is just embracing his role, you know, and I think communication is, is the most important part of this. And, and we talked about this in a lot of episodes um, is being able to constantly communicate with, with our players to, to know what our expectations of, are the, of, of them are, you know, and what their specific role is, the potential role that they're working for, um, just so there's not any, any unforeseen um, things within their mindset. They know what they're working for. They know that the position that they're at. Um, they know why it's important that they're in that position, like Coach Calhoun talked about, that, you know, if the three guys is is worried about not being the one guy, um, he's not learning in that moment to make himself a better player once he is uh, in that position. And, and inevitably, there's going to be some failures for that guy because he hasn't made himself any better. Um, but it's a trickle down. You know, you, you set these standards. You know, if, if you're starting a new program, you set it with everyone and inevitably as guys get older, they start enforcing that themselves that they, when they see things that their teammates, whether it's a young guy or, or, or someone new within the program is doing, and it's not right. Um, those guys correct those things on the spot, you know, and, and player driven leadership is, is the thing we're all striving for. I mean, once you get that, I mean, you can really take off as a team that something gets corrected by a player to player before you even have to say anything. Um, but it's given some leash, but at the same time, you, you know, having those standards that you don't budge on and, and knowing that the reason why those are important, um, you know, to allow your team to be successful and them to be successful individuals moving forward. But um, yeah, a lot of good stuff and, and really like what coach Calhoun's doing. I had a talk with him today and he was on hole two of the golf course, but I know his <laughs> fall has been pretty good and, you know, they're kicking butt and, and starting to build that thing up to be something pretty successful. Yeah, I just want to ask you to, to add to that. How, how important is, I mean, I know you've hit on it, Kelly, but is the word accountability. When you think about the word accountability, you know, you know, making each other, but I think also like what we've done over the last few years, I've given that accountability as the player to the coach. So if I'm out of order, I've had, I mean, having a, a, a senior approach me and I remember back in 17, I, you know, we had a game and kind of lost my cool and, and did a dumb move, you know, and the next practice, the member's name, Carter Rilla comes up to me as coach. We've got to talk. And I said, what's up? And he's like, you were out of line in our last game. And, you know, I was like, okay, what I do? And he hit the, you know, nail right on the head. And, and uh, the thing is, is that he would just, he, he's right. And I, I had to, you know, apologize. And I think, but setting a, you know, of course, you know, talking about setting the culture, that word accountability is is important and I think we 
kind of it's like well what's good for you is good for you you know as long as it just doesn't harm me you know but if, if we keep each other accountable in everything that we do we're we're gonna grow you know it gets to what calhoun said on earlier in this podcast is that one percent better you know and i never kind of like once i heard that it's kind of like been a kind of a little bit of i guess doing some copywriting life motto you know i've heard other coaches use it too but the thing is is that you know we got to have accountability and if we don't have accountability what good are we to each other as society as humans you know i mean if you see somebody you know you know wrongfully hanging handling a woman uh or someone doing something mysterious in a store you know you just bite an eye and just walk in. No, you step up and you say it's not right, or you call the authorities. You know, you things that that are set to keep, you know, not you know, so you don't create chaos. You know, and I think that it's like if you set that standard of rules and like what you're saying, Kelly, you know, up front, man, you're gonna have a, a good sense of culture in your program. I think the quest each coach, you know, accountability, but the teammate accountability, like he has talked about, and like he talked about, that if you can get that. Yeah. Uh, great things can happen within your program if you have kids holding each other accountable and and they're all one common purpose goal. Uh, and speaking of that, rolling into our next clip that we're going to play, uh, Coach Mike Archer, Hall of Fame Washington State High School coach Mike Archer, talking about the consistency in the program and holding each other accountable and, and him growing with the the seniors, growing the freshmen as they come in, making sure they know the expectations of their program. And let's just let Coach talk about their program. Kelly here, I, I uh, have to ask you about your, your traditions there in Sela and with Pepsi Pack. I know you guys have had quite the successful run in, uh, with both programs, but uh, what do you kind of contribute to some of that success that you've had? Uh, is it trick plays? Is it, uh, is it the practice planning? Is it the people? What's, uh, what's been kind of the most important thing in, in building those programs up? Well, you know, I have nothing to do with it unless we lose. Other than that, it's the players. So that's, that's kind of the typical way it goes. But I'll tell you what, we're, um, I, I don't know if you'd say old school, but, but we're real disciplined in the things we do. And um, if we're good, we don't do something if there's not a reason to do it. Uh, you know, a lot of our tra- tradition, I would say, you know, that that's passed on from player to player. You, you know, kids that we have today don't know what happened in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, well, one, one of the things we do we're we're real big on is is um, we have going off Ken Ravise's book, which we've used since 1993, mm-hmm. Heads Up Baseball. And um, we make our kids set missions. We don't call them goals. We set them missions, call them missions. They have to have two missions a night. One is a physical thing and the other is a mental thing. And then any coach can walk around to a player and, and ask, you know, what, what are your missions today? And they need to be real simple and measurable. So, you know, that way at the end of practice, you evaluate what you did as a, as a player and you can see growth and improvement. Um, one thing tradition-wise that we've we've done is about the first three weeks of practice, three days a week at the end of the practice, we make um, we have our freshmen um, gather up with our seniors and in, in small groups, and the seniors can then pass on any information they want to them, and mm-hmm. the, the freshmen can then ask any questions they want. You know, they may they may want to ask, hey, is is, is 
Archer really a jerk or is this coach really on everybody's case? And, and it's an open dialogue that coaches aren't involved in. And, but it gives us a good way for our freshmen to establish a relationship with our older guys and to understand the expectations um, that the seniors have of the freshmen. You know, the expectations that players set among themselves are much mm -hmm. more important than any expectation I could throw out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only thing we ask of our players or our, our varsity guys when we get about two weeks into the season is we have them go have a meeting and uh, talk about what they want out of the season. And if all they want is to play baseball and have fun, then come and tell us and, you know, we'll cut practice off by 45 minutes and get out of there if that's all they want. If they want, if they want to be the best they can be, then in our thinking, in our philosophy, we have a certain way you have to go about that. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the way we set our expectations and, and try and build some, some uh, tradition. And, you know, all our younger guys, not, not all, but for the most part, we practice together as a group and um, you know, that, that makes a senior, mm -hmm. you know, is, is holding a freshman accountable when you're out there working on certain things. You know, if you're a freshman in a drill with a varsity guy, that guy, they hold you accountable. And uh, that, that we, it's frustrating as from a coach's standpoint, because, you know, as we say, they'll kill the drill at times, mm -hmm. but it, it also raises their intensity level and their expectations when they're we've got a freshman catching a double play feed from a varsity third baseman. Now right. that's not all the time, but we, we do that quite often. Yeah, a, a lot to unpack. There are a couple of things I really like. The the first is that it talks about the tradition and that being passed down. Um had a had a talk with an alum, an old alum, played in the sixties at our school recently and not recently played in, in the 60s talked to him recently but um he was talking about the conditions they had to play in and the situations and, and where they had to travel for games and how many players they didn't have and in the ditch in left field that they had to be weary of going back on a ball and um it, it's all about leaving things just a little bit better than what you found i think you hear about that a lot um and 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 for our guys to you know, obviously we want the best. We want new flashy things. We want fancy bells and whistles and this and that. But every once in a while, you have to step back and prioritize, you know, and just understand how, how grateful um, you should feel to be able to play this game, especially at the college level or especially at any level, um, to be a part of a small percentage that's able to make it to that given level. Um, and I think we get caught up in, in the importance of of the wins and losses and and how our field looks and you know getting the new fanciest equipment and things but you know after after last year I mean the mindset's kind of changed a little bit at least for me that you know just an opportunity to practice with whatever we have and a chance to get better is 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 the most important thing you know and, and things are inevitably going to be better there everything's going to just constantly be moving in a better direction and and everyone has a small part in that. And, and I think that's where the tradition comes into that, that people in the past have a, a, a tremendous respect and pride in seeing where things are at now, you know, and, and the winning part only makes them that much more engaged with things. Um, you know, the other thing I liked is, is he talked about, you know, the, the freshman getting involved with the upperclassmen. Um, 
and we got a young young group this fall ourselves a lot of new um, freshman faces that we really haven't had in a position player standpoint in a couple of years um, and it's amazing the type of energy that those guys have um, and, and them learning on the fly I, I think I learned this from from coach Garland uh, in my time at at, at St. Martin's as an assistant um, but you know those new guys come in and, and you know you can take a lot of time just really telling them what to do and teaching them and, and going really slow with things but you know, his philosophy, and, I, and I've kept that with me myself, is throw him into the fire, let him fail, you know, make it fast, make it full speed, mm-hmm. allow them to have to speed up the game on their own and make mistakes and, and go back and realize why I made that mistake. Um, and I think there's almost a sense in pride in, the, in some of those older guys to be able to, you know, see that failure from, from a freshman early and, and know that they've been in those shoes and they've had those same mistakes. Um and be able to teach them the lessons that they've learned. And it's amazing how quick they kind of, you know, come along from that standpoint. But, you know, for, for us, the last couple of years, having an older group, sometimes it was harder to push those guys to, to, to make them excited for practice because things were kind of a little bit of the same, um, you know, as years prior. Um, but when you bring in new faces, you bring in younger guys, um, not only is there a new energy and, and someone to push you for your spot, um, but it also allows just kind of that sense of ownership for you to be able to bring people along. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Love, love what Archers has done there and in, in the tradition piece and, and how he incorporates kind of some of those goal setting and things within his uh, older and younger groups. Yeah. I think about back when my playing days, you know, coming in as a freshman and, and, you know, I, I remember the gentleman's name is Bo Batzel and, and uh, you know, the first week was, at that high pace and things were going and it's just like of course he could read that as a freshman and he you know him being a senior and putting his arm around my neck and says you got this Jay you got this you know and that reassurance helped build that confidence I was like I'm gonna get this I'm gonna get this figured out and you know I it's it's a it's a lot similar in the in the high school as it is in in the college I mean you have such a big jump you know you have I always looked at you know you got your little league you got your middle school and you get your high school is a little bit more. And then there's a pretty significant jump from high school to college, you know, just the pace of the game, how quick and how talented kids are. And then you go up to the next level into the pros, you know, and it's just like everything is just a little bit more fast moving. And, you know, if, if you have that leadership of those guys coming around, wrapping their arm around the, one of those freshmen's neck or just putting their arm around the shoulder and patting them on the back, you got this, you got this, you know, it goes a long ways. Um, it just, you know, it's a little, the small things I always, I always th- believe this guys in the philosophy of life is that the small things, you know, can make big deals, you know, uh, a, 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 uh, a friendly gesture of a, of a wave or a hello to someone can make their day. And I think a lot of times we are selfish people, you know, and especially in the society is today is, you know, we spend a lot of time on our phones and, you know, if you ever go, you know, I always like going to Les Schwab and get my tires changed because if you sit in the waiting room, how many people are actually engaging in conversation with others or sitting there with, with their eyes on their phone. And, and, and I, I get it. I, I'm guilty of that. The same thing, you know, it's easier to keep to yourself, you know, but you know, if we, you know, hold the door open for somebody or we, you know, help them, you know, carry something out to their car that looks like they're struggling coming out of home Depot um, you know, those little things can go a long ways and it gets to that, you know, what arch does. I mean, him, taking the seniors and, and, and working with the freshmen and, 
just maybe some of the new kids coming into the program from not even in the area, you know, um, but building that up and keeping that tradition and then kids that get to that point, see that, you know, you, you talk about, you know, building, you know, of course, always things are going to be better um, when you come back, you know, it's very rarely we ever come to a program that's like, whoa, man, we had like, you know, we had our own uniforms, we had this and, and, and to see it regress, you know, nothing, always things are progressing, right, ideally. And I think about our days when, you know, when I was at prep, you know, we were just an open field. <laughs> we had a portable cage and we popped it up and that was our backstop. And uh, then we, and then about after the first month, we couldn't use left field because our games would be going and we butted up across the other field with the softball. So uh, we would lose left field. So I always, we had to play my outfield from center to right. And it was difficult. We had to get real creative with our practices. We had little hole cutouts that looked like, you know, you're going to the wreck, you know, over to the park that they never maintain except for mowing the grass. And you have these big holes with a base in it. Um, but, you know, we worked at it. And of course, when it comes to him, like, coach, we never had this. Oh, coach, we never had a locker room. Coach, we didn't. <laughs> but that's, that's part of the, they're all part of that, you know, and I, it gets to the point where that's like, this is you, your name is on this field, just because you weren't here this time when we build it, but you were part of that building of that program, getting us to the, where we need to be, because it, it, it's, it's a lot different in high school. But when I say they're part of that is if you don't get the kids to show up for the program, you're not going to have the program. So if you have the, you know, the 17 kids and every one kid, I'm in my early, my year, early years of prep, um, you know, we were a small school, we, we would only get maybe 12 kids max, you know, and, and some years we'd be just looking at 10. Well, if I don't have enough kids and I'm only sitting at eight, I don't have a program. So every kid in that first early years before we got to where we're at, they were huge in getting us to keep this progression of the program going because if they don't show up, we don't have a program. And you guys know as well as I do, when programs are, you know, shut down, it's hard to regain, you know. So, it's a, it's a cool thing, you know, progression is a, is a beautiful thing. We see it in modern science and, but even in our, our game as coaches, it's a, it's amazing um, thing that, that takes place. So I love it. And I can speak firsthand playing for Archer in my first summer being there in the first couple of weeks, I might not have played a lot, but it was one of the, the upperclassmen, the, the senior guys of the Pepsi pack came up and put their arm around me and said, don't quit. Don't be one of those guys. And I didn't, and I wasn't going to anyways, because I was pretty excited to be down there, but uh, no. And, and because of that guy taking his arm, it might've gave me the extra confidence to keep working hard. And I felt like I was working hard anyways, but um, to be able to come out and eventually earn my way into a, a, a constant, consistent uh, playing role with those guys. And, and uh, no, I think that's a, a really key to having great leadership that can take a guy under the arm and say, let's go, let's go get this thing done. Uh, speaking of that, you know, the next guy we're going to roll into, uh, one of our next guests, and and I can tell as as this these recordings go on, our audio gets better. We were really rookie with our tech leading up, so it's just going to keep getting better and better from here. Uh, but the next guy, we have a clip from Coach Brian Green, head coach at Washington State University. You know, a guy coming into the program and just making sure that his culture was built within the first year of being there and how important that was to him Um you know, taking over things and just making sure to try to get everybody on the same page quickly. So here's coach Brian Green. Let's move into a little bit on talk culture. I know that was a really big thing for you coming in to Washington State. 
and building a culture in the program. And what was some of the biggest points of emphasis when you took over at WSU and the culture? Um, I had a chance to listen to uh, Urban Meyer talk the other day um, on, a, on a Zoom, and it was just phenomenal. And he talked and he said this, and, and it's something that's so true, but culture is just, you know, what's it look like? What's it sound like? What's it act like? What's it feel like? It, you know, it's, it's not something you can grab, but you can certainly sense it and feel it. Um, you know, for us, um, I just place a huge emphasis on it. I just, I think it goes into just what do you want your program to be about? And for me, um, you know, I, I want to fill the stands at Washington State. I, I want to fundraise at a high level. I want us to be a national program where people are paying attention to us. I want us to be on television. And the only reason, the only way we're going to do that is obviously to win games. But how do you win games earlier? Um, you do it with good people. So for us, from a culture perspective, um, you know, we, we do as much intentionality with it as possible. I mean, we have 12 days um, that we call culture training. We don't get on the field. Um, it's a little over the top, but, um, and I'll go over it with you. But, um, but it's all based on, look, you're going to place the needs of the team above your own. Um, and then we're going to talk about you as a person. We're going to talk about family. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to understand that your responsibility as a player on this team is to make Washington State a better place. And then you're going to understand that if you want anything in life, you've got to go out and earn it. And by earning people in the stands, that means be a good person. That, mean, that means be a good student. That means get out with Special Olympics. That means get out in the community, um, means be good on social media. That means meet the professor. I mean, these are all things that we do. Um, so we're just very intentional with it. I just, and I do that again. I just, I think it's how you win baseball games because now we're into, if, if, if you do that and we get buy-in, well, now when we get to the field, we have a good dugout. And if we have a good dugout, we're probably going to have a pretty competitive team. So I just think it all builds into that. Um, but again, it starts with your coaching staff, with the hires. Um, of, of having good people uh, that buy into that. And, and if they're not familiar with it, it's our job or responsibility uh, as a head coach. Number one, the head, every assistant coach on the, in the program and your training staff member and your compliance member and your strength coach, they should be able to spit out what the GOKUGS acronym is, what our core characteristics are. They should be able to spit out what the three pillars of the program are as a coaching staff. Or they should be able to spit out what the team rules the three, what are the three rules of the team about? Um, all those things that I just mentioned, we we have guys have to come up and give presentations on it. Uh, they have to take quizzes. Um, I'll surprise them with it. Uh, we take an oath to the team. We bring in outside consultants. I mean, it's it's a barrage. But I think the cool part of that question, and how do you get it, is is in recruiting. And it's not the sell. Um, and obviously if you're at the high school level, you know, there's not recruiting, but it's, you're still going to have a reputation of what your program is about. And that's the same thing with us is when we recruit, you know, we have a, a PowerPoint presentation and it's entirely about, Hey, who, here's who we are. So if you're in the family, uh, if you're, if you're not afraid to cry, get vulnerable, uh, uh work with special Olympics. Uh, and if you're not, if you're okay with me pounding you on your body language uh, and, and talking about person first, player second, and then if you want to be a professional baseball player, this is the right program for you. And, and if, you, if it's all about that locker room or, you know, six sets of unis, even though we have those, but they just don't sell it, you know. Um, I just really, 
I think recruits will find you. And I think players will find you as long as they know what the program is about. The biggest mistake that we all make as coaches is we sell and sell and sell and sell to get the kid. Um, but we sold him or we tricked him. And it's his decision that he's going to choose us based on who we are about. So then when he gets there, he's already ready for it. He's ready for the oath. He's ready for go Cougs. He's ready to get vulnerable. He's ready for the safe circle. So, and the, and you know, I've got kids in the recruiting process right now, you know, that they're getting ahead on heads up baseball because they know that's what we're about because we've told them that in the recruiting process. So, um, I know I got long winded there. It's, it's something I'm really passionate about, but I just think when it comes to culture, if it's important to you, I think you got to be really intentional with it. And then I think you've got to keep it alive all the time. Put it in the dugout, put it in your hitting facility, send it out on group me, your, your, your core values, your core characteristics, the worst organizations when you read in business, right? We, we have the first team meeting or the AD comes in, not ours, but are, you know, the president of the corporation comes in and he goes, Hey, here's our three core values. Take a look at those. All right, you guys have a great day. And then you never revisit them again. They're not important. You know, guys, let me ask you this. You know, would you rather hang out with somebody who's, who's just a drag and negative, or you want to hang out with someone who's, who's positive mm -hmm. and, and, and excited? And I think that, you know, I listen to Coach Green and, you know, Coach, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> I know I don't have any years of eligibility left, but I would love to come play for you because uh, I love your excitement and your enthusiasm. And I, I just, man, guys, I mean, I am, I, I look at people and that's who I want to be. You know, we, 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 we see with our eyes, of course, you know, the way we're raised a lot of, sometimes not all, but we're a representation of our parents, you know, our leadership, right. What's the most influential in our life. You know, some kids are, they have a really bad home life. And so maybe a coach steps in and, and takes that role. But, you know, I want to be that guy who's excited about life, you know, and I, I, I uh, it's interesting that um, this came up this morning. My son, who's eight years old, asked me a question today. He goes, dad, if you were on an island with a group of people, would you rather be the first one to die or the last one uh, to live? And my response to that was, I want to be the last person to, to live basically, because that's just the way I am. I, I want to basically, I'm going to fight to the end. And, uh, you know, because I think I can maybe can find maybe a, a, a ship that comes to the, to the island that's basically got off course and that's got a thousand people on that boat. And then, of course, you know, I'm now I've got other people I can hang out with, you know. Uh, but, you know, I think that's just kind of how we, you know, some people look at life is that I'd rather be the first one to die so I don't have to suffer through all the hardships of seeing everybody else um, die or, or starve or that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I just, you know, there's people there and there's two people in life. There's the people that are, are excited every day or, you know, or, or ready to go. And there's other people that are just, Oh man, today's Monday. Oh, today's Tuesday. You know, I mean, we hear this a lot in the workforce, you know, Oh, it's Monday. Oh, it's Friday. You know, what to me is just another day. Every day for me is a Friday, you know, and I, I'm, you know, it's like, do you look at the glass half full or you look at it half empty? And I think just as coaches, if guys are excited about our program, their programs, man, that reciprocates their kids, you know, and kids are going to pick up on that. It doesn't, you don't have to give them the nicest hats or the nice, that's all just extras. But if you, if you really care about those kids and you, and you say, Hey, this is what we're going to do and we're going to do it. And you stay committed to your words. Uh, you're right. People it's, it's, you're going to magnetize people are going to be 
begging at your door. You know, I mean, that's just every program across the nation you look at, man, why are they so, so successful? It's because look at their leadership, look at the coaches, uh, comes from the top and you know, they're, they're, they're excited. I mean, I can tell you what, I know coach green probably has bad days, but I bet, bet believe it or not, he probably has 99.9% of his days are ready to go, you know? And even when he's having a bad day, he's like, let's roll. And uh, I think that's just the way we as coaches should all be. Um, I think there's a lot of coaches that are, are like that, are super excited. Um, they love to be a coach. You know, what it means being a coach is that sometimes it means to be uh, a listener, a counselor, you know, counselor, uh, a teacher, um, a dad. I mean, all these scenarios that just be, instead of being the guy who says, hey, look what I just did with this team. Look at this ring, you know. Um, that's not a coach, you know, and uh, in my book is uh, I've always wanted to play or I always have played, not always. I've had a few coaches that weren't the best, but, you know, the coaches that were most impactful to me were the ones that were just excited about being a coach and uh, what, you know, what they're doing on the field. So, Yeah, I think <clears throat> the most important thing in, in that end you talked about was was setting expectations really early um, and, and, and doing your due diligence on the front end of, of the recruiting side to make sure you really know what type of people you're going to get. And, and um, I think the guys that, that I've seen be the most successful are the ones that really, really want to be there for, for one reason or another. And, and each school has kind of their different, reasons why someone would want to be there whether that's a, a degree program whether that's a location um, whether that's a school size um, whatever that reason might be we talk really early about fit and, and finding the right fit within a program um, and, and not only is that the makeup of the school but it's also the makeup of of the culture within the program you know and, and having guys come out to a practice and, and or a game um, and, and see what things are like, give them that kind of inside look, you know, in a normal year, we, we, we try to have guys stay overnight with other players in, in dorms and have the chance to do that this year, but at least a chance to hang out with those guys and, and ask questions about our, our coaching staff, right. That they're going to get that honest feedback from a player that's going to tell them what things are really about, you know, and, and it's about asking the pointed questions towards, towards a kid from a coaching standpoint and, and asking them what their priorities are and, and what, what's most important to them in the decision. Um, and, and you can really get to the, the bottom of what makes that individual tick, you know, right away. If you ask the right pointed questions um, and, and you can make a decision of, do they fit into our culture? Is this somewhere where they're going to fill in? They're going to flourish. They're going to want to be here. Or is it for the, you know, you know, window shopping reasons like like coach green talked about you know are they there for the wrong reasons um because some of those fluff things they run out really quick you know if you have one outfit of clothes like he's talking about and you wear it every single day eventually you're gonna be tired of those clothes and that's no longer the most important thing um but you know finding good people is 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 the most important thing in this you know for for, for us it's 
the reasons why we had guys that flourish, they might not be the most talented. They might be an average talented level player, but if they really want to be there, they're going to work their tails off to get themselves to be a better player. Okay. Where the above average player might have some regression because he has regrets about being there and it's not what he signed up for, or he thought things were going to be like. Um, so setting that standard early in the recruiting process is important and, you know, trying to weed out the reasons why guys are there or want to be there is, is really important. So a lot can be done on the front end and uh, eventually you find the right group of guys that want to get after it. Inevitably some fall off, but um, if your core can be really strong, you know, you can get, get a long ways with, with guys that really are bought in. You know, what I wrote down out of all this was that, that to live out what you preach and the fact that you got you can have all these core values and, and your, your team uh, must have, but it doesn't mean anything unless you actually live it daily, day to day, not just Monday and then Saturday, but you know, yeah. seven days a week and everything you do. And, and it sounds like that's something that he's really taken, taken pride in and made sure of it. Cause you know, we can all say these things and there's some days we fall short, but it's the, it's the guys that are, that are truly get back to their roots and what they're doing and and to live their core beliefs because you know to do what we're doing as coaches that's so huge especially to get people going on the right track uh and like uh calhoun said good good people make good players and and that's making sure that you can keep your good players with with good people so you guys i want to share this with you i i, I have this on my twitter handle and I mean, I've probably shared this with you guys before, but in 2005, the National Science Foundation published an article regarding research about human thought per day. The average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts uh, per day. Of those, uh, of of that, 80% are negative. And I'm like, you know, and I'm I'm a big proponent of mental health and the mental side of everything. When a coach wants to talk about mental I get like kid in the candy jar, you know, candy store, <laughs> you know, I just like, you know, all, all ears, you know, but, you know, I just, I mean, guys, I mean, it's so important. I know it's not easy sometimes in circumstances around us that sometimes we don't have control of can make it really tough. And, but man, as coaches, the influence that we have is so much great. And a lot of times we just don't, we don't always see it, you know, and it's like, Kelly was talking about, you know, talking to somebody, of course, you know, from the sixties, of course, the program, but like, I mean, he's probably going, you know, coach, you know, you've done a great job from what I was in here in the sixties. I mean, to what it is now. And of course, you know, Kelly, you've done a lot to there at St. Martin's to expand and grow and you're going to continue to do that and, and better that program and that facility. But it's, people are seeing that and that's a huge, you know, plus on on what you're you're doing every day when you wake up and says hey i gotta get this done you know and and, and keeping excited about it so that's good let's move on to our next guy that we got we're bringing up a, a clip from and I, i've kind of taken a couple different verb or clips from his interview uh that, that correlate together so if there's a part that might not match up that's why but uh, uh the pod father himself jeremy sheetinger sheets uh I love the well, how he starts off, and I'll break in. We'll break it down here after we listen to it. But uh, the head coach at Georgia Gwinnett, um, just it was a it was a fun episode. Uh, he was a, it was lucky that he was able to do it with us, and we 
didn't get the good timing on the East Coast that night because I think the recording ended probably about midnight, 1 o'clock, his time, East Coast. So thank you again, Sheets, for doing that with us. And, and here is Jeremy Sheetinger. Again, you go back to that. that that's what fraternity is. <laughs> like, we talk about this with our kids. Everybody says build a family. But when you say that, I think the connotation to most coaches is, well, families, you know, man, everything's hunky-dory and candy and sparkles. And, you know, we pass out Skittles after every at-bat. Families fight. I don't know how you guys are with your wife. I mean, we chomp at each other all the time. And then the next second, we, what are we doing? Like, that, families fight. Our kids get in trouble. I spank my child. He gets in trouble. Like when he climbs on the counter, he gets in trouble that the families do that. And so that that's, that's what fraternity is. That's what brotherhood is. That's what all those. And so, but that makes you better. You work through those moments and it makes you better. And so, yeah, from the learning perspective, man, if you're not, if you look at this question and say, what, what have I learned recently that's challenged me? If you don't have that answer, you didn't ask the right questions. Like you should have that. I have that thought. I feel like daily, you guys are making me sort through things in my head right now. That's making me better. That's, that's where you get this constant state of something today, something in the next breath is going to make me better. And if you stay in that mode, you, you really, the, the right question just rolls off your tongue. You don't even have to think about it. Well, if I really want to get depth on that, I better ask this. And it blows you away that, 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 that state is powerful, man. And that's all we're trying to, you know, with our podcast, your podcast, those coaching clinics, like that's all that I think all that is the, the spirit in which it's being done is to make the game better period. Cause if you make better coaches, you make better players. And if you make better players, you make the game better. So I think that's where it all roots from. You're dead on. So I'll give you another place of vulnerability if you guys are ready for it. Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> tell your wise we're going into uh, extra innings tonight okay. so um you know this was a rough week for us if i can speak openly um you know the corona thing has had its own effect on college baseball programs around the country and and certainly it has in high school and i think you know the one thing I, you always take solace in is everybody's in the same boat everybody got their entire world turned upside down and and for all of us we lost baseball and um you know with that we're in a really unique situation here, man. We, we just, we have limited roster spots. It's just the way our, our, our thing is set up. We can't, we can't have a hundred kids and that's not the program we have. And uh, so you look at it and you say, you know, as head coach, you're charged with always doing what's right for the program period. Like that, that is, it's not about you. It's not about even our players. You know, we have really good player and he graduates. Well, somebody gets his Jersey next year. We're just not going to, every good player retire their jersey because then we got kids wearing 98 out there on the field like we have one through 45 those are our numbers and um you know so it's much bigger and you always as as the head coach you have to have that mindset you have to always think about and then react to and do what is best for the program well that's no different here it's the same situation same rules apply and then sometimes you get lost in you gotta do what's right for the person and that's important but it's third on the list. It's your program. It's this year's team. And then it's the player. Cause that's the way it works. If you try to do what's right for the player first, it's just like a comedian. You can't make 35 people happy. You know, 
20 of them love you 10 of them are still trying to figure out and five of them can't get away from you fast enough that's just the way it works and so anyway we 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 go through this week and it was a tough week so i'm, I'm actually I was looking forward to this conversation and um we we've had to make decisions and what we thought was best for the program, but ultimately, you know, I'm a pretty sensitive, passionate guy. I want to do what's right for these kids because I've gave them my word from day one, I would do that. So we ended up walking different directions from a few guys because it's what's best. They may not play in this program. We all know how players are. Players like to play. So if you won't play, then let's help you find a place where you can play and no one will be your biggest fan than I will be. I will, I will check websites. I will check in on you. I think it's the right move and it's good for you and it's good for us. And, and again, you're, you're going to benefit from it. Doesn't seem like that at the time. So we had one day in particular, we had three guys that we were going to let go. And man, you're talking about a team that was 23 and two. It was on a 22 game winning streak. That was the most close knit group I've ever coached. And I genuinely love my guys. And uh, like I said, they're my rock stars, man. And I got to call these three kids. And from day one, we built our culture on two words, trust and love. And I think if any coaches listen to this, you know, really start to drill down. I've said this uh, countless times, but uh, Brian Green, again, going to build up the Cougars. You guys are going to have a really good Pac-12 team there uh, in, in the state. Um, he hit me with this, you know, and hitting, you know, that's where we all have seven different parts of the swing with four bullets underneath and, you know, where our kids can't digest that. So can you take those seven and can you drill it down to six? And if you get to six, can you get to five? If you get to five, can you get it to four? If you can get it from four, can you get to three? Nope, can you get to three? Sweet, you have four parts of the swing. But you've drilled it down as simple as it can get. Guys, I spent more time drilling, drilling, and drilling till I found gold at Trust and Love. Those, if we end the year with those two words, we've done everything we were supposed to do in year one. So long story short, flash or fast forward, I'm on the phone with these three guys. And you're talking about taking the opportunity to play in our program away from them. And all three guys verbatim. I'm expecting, you know, we're on Zoom. I'm expecting computer slam. I'm expecting other words. Um, I'm expecting to, you know, burn a bridge. All three guys. Coach, it's obviously a tough conversation. I know you didn't arrive at this today. I know you've been thinking it through. I trust you. Literally the word chosen by all three guys. I trust you that you are going to make the right decision for me. Uh, you've always looked out for me. It's tough to hear, but I would appreciate your help in finding another place to play. And all three phone calls, we ended exactly like we do every team huddle. Hey, man, I'm just letting you know I love you. Coach, I love you too, man. I'll give you a call this week. And so what I think to that is we did something right. You know, like there's something there because I've been on in the room when it's gone the other way. And I never equated it back to where you really live in your, your, your culture every day. And so I've said this last couple of weeks cause it's heavy on my brain. If, if that word crawls under your skin and you're quote unquote getting cultured out, then you probably don't have a very good culture because you can't get cultured out. It, it is living, breathing every day. And if you're not working at it, it's dissolving. That is what wins you ball games. As much as we have got talented kids, dude, our culture shows up. And how about in our darkest days, 
our culture showed up. So if you want to get cultured out, let's see if we can get you on the schedule. I'd love to play you and let's see how the game goes. I'm not, that ain't, that ain't me in a braggadocious way. That's just telling you, homie, like <laughs> culture wins culture beats strategy every day. So, uh, that's heavy on my brain. So I pretty, you kind of team me up for that one. Yeah. I mean, a lot to unpack there. I mean, I think a lot speaks for itself, um, with coach sheets and what he's doing and, and building quite a program there. Yeah. I think one of the, in the first clip, I think what, what hit with me really well is just that the growth mindset, um, you know, and, and we can boil this down to multiple different ways. There's a lot of different ways to, to, to say it, you know, the 1% better, um, you know, whatever, whatever you want to say, however you want to classify it. Um, it. It's trying to make yourself and the people around you better on a daily basis. You know, as, as coaches, I think a lot of us have conversations with other people in the profession. I know I do daily and, and have my circle of, of people who have their circles of people. So inevitably you have this large group of people that are kind of helping and supporting each other, whether it's in podcast form, whether it's stuff that they see on, on Twitter or whatnot, it's just constant shares. Hey, you think you might like this knowing the personality and those type of things. But I, I think the people that you surround yourself with is, is a direct reflection of you as an individual um, and, and trying not to be the smartest person in the room. And it's, it's not a hard thing for me personally, but um, uh, if you're always trying to get yourself a little bit better by, by reaching out to people who, who might know more in a certain area or, or someone to, to draw to, if you're having a problem, um, it's, it's going to be a direct reflection on, on what's being impressed uh, upon your players. Cause it, you know, you're doing those growth things. Um, it's, it's for them. I mean, making yourself better and your staff better, um, is inevitably to make your players better. And it rubs off on them. You bring new ideas, you bring new challenges, you bring new tasks, and now they want to push each other um, to to want to accomplish those challenges, but also to be creative in the way that they do their daily operations. Um, so it's just constantly pushing in, in that realm, you know. And, and I think the last part, and that that segment really held true to me, is is you know being in positions where you have to let guys go and and doing it out of the best of, of their abilities. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough thing to do, um, especially at this college, college level. It's at their dream. Um, a lot's invested in this. Um, it's kind of going back to ground one. Um, but inevitably, you know, a player within a program that's, that's developed, that's had a chance to play and practice is going to be really prepared to move on to that next level. Um, and, and coaches that are connected can, can find that right fit for someone else. But for us, it really hasn't been a problem because of our roster size, but you know, with, with, with this COVID and, and guys getting years back and a, a backlog of players in junior college and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's starting to be a really tough thing. I think on a lot of coaches to have to make these decisions on a daily basis to not only determine what's right for their program, I mean, some of, some of us have roster limitations and inevitably you can't keep everyone, but um, it's, it's trying to do what's best for that individual, um, knowing that this is a small blip in their, their lifetime. And I think college baseball or, or really anything that you do in life is an experience. And I know Jason, you talked about this earlier, you wake up and be excited about what you have to do for the day, but everything's an experience, right? And, and 
in the future, this might not be what you do. You're not going to play baseball forever. Um, you're not going to be able to travel abroad forever. You're not going to be able to live in a van forever. Whatever it is for you, <laughs> the things that you really enjoy to do are, are an absolute experience. And, and you, have to, you have to invest your time in something that's a positive manner because in the future, you want to draw back on those things and, and look at what I've learned because of that experience and that moment and that blip in time. Um, so it is, as tough as it is to, to move a player on, you know that their experience is not going to be as positive as it might be somewhere else, whether in baseball or investing their time in clubs or, or saving money to buy things, whatever that might be. If, if you don't think that experience can be possible for that individual, you have to try to help nudge them in the direction that you feel is best for them. Um, and they might not see it that your way. Um, but hopefully that at least gives them motivation to keep moving forward and make themselves the best version of themselves by, by just really trusting and, and, and knowing that they're capable of doing many great things. Yeah. You know, Kelly, uh, um, you and I have had some good conversations about that, you know, just, you know, just the fact of, you know, kids and, and programs and things like that. And, you know, you may see a kid that, you know, he's got good size and, you know, he's got, quick hands but he just may not be the best fit for that particular program and you know sometimes it's not it's 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 not the easiest thing for a player to take but at the end of the day when they look back um you know they know okay yeah we i'm making the right steps to get into the right direction where i want to go ultimately the end goal is to get as far as you can and sometimes it you know we may want to go to this particular program because that's what we think that's where we're going to do to get to that end goal but maybe we need to take a different path and go to juco or um you know the smaller school to get to the next step you know and you know it's thinking about you know it's coaches you know um you know we don't know everything and we're always learning and our game is always changing um you know i always use this analogy my when uh, i don't know how often you guys go to the hardware store with your wives but um, when we, my wife and I go, uh, you know, I usually, it's a hardware store. And, and so I, I know where things are at. Usually I at least like to pretend I know where things are at. And so um, usually about after, you know, the third or fourth row of walking down the aisles back and forth, she says, you know, I can see definitely you're, you don't know where this item is at. And I, I, I admire always responses. Yeah, I do. I'm just, you know, you know, grazing here to see what else they have available. But uh, you know, my wife is always quick to grab a, a tenant, you know, first of the store and say, hey, we're looking for light bulbs. What aisle is that on? Okay, aisle two. You know, and it's like it, it and what I have had learned as I've gotten older is that, yeah, I can act like I, I know, but I really know. And it's better to say I don't know and to be taught than just to try to put up this ego thing like, hey, I know all, you know, and and I think that, you know, if we do that with our staff and we do it, you know, just as, you know, like what we do here on this podcast as we're growing, um, it, tell, it basically teaches us something that, you know, the fact that we're all, you know, growing as individuals and we're, we're bettering each other. You know, a high school coach can teach a college coach something. A college coach can teach that high school coach something, uh, you know, so we're all in different areas of our life and we're all being instructed by different crowds or different bubbles you say today you know like you're saying Kel is like you got one little circle and you got another circle and you got another circle and it's like you're networking right it's what they call it in the business world you're networking uh, but you know as coaches I think as we network 
uh, you're, we're growing too. And if you're not growing as you're networking, uh, yeah, you better maybe find another career because uh, if, if we're not growing, what grid are we doing for our players? I think a lot of great points, but you guys, and, and the one thing that whole recording of the sheets, that uh, was a good one, a full one, but the one that really caught my attention was the quote of family is fight. And, you know, we always tried to kumbaya and whatnot, our team, but like, Hey, we're not holding each other accountable and, and being able to fight through things. And even within our, within our club, but yet not able to, to grow as individuals and as groups and figure things out and, and figure out our problems. And, and, uh, I, I, I just love that quote and it's definitely made me rethink and just question and challenge how I've done things before with our, our team mentality and, 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 you know, it's, it's like everyday family stuff. I mean, yeah, we're not all going to get along every day, but it's how we get through it and try to make sure we don't leave each other and don't, you know, leave that practice that day saying, you know, little Timmy over there is a, a you know what. No, it's it's finding and working through things is, uh, is, is key, I feel like, for any group and cohesiveness uh, for, you know, home life and uh, baseball life on the diamond. Yeah, it's it's that adage of sometimes you got to kind of, break things down to the, the ground before you can build them back up, right? Realize what what doesn't work to mm-hmm. allow us to grow and move forward. You know, we fought because of this and we both agree that it's not a good thing. So let's not ever do this again, <laughs> you know, but it's going through some of those failures. Um, if, if you're not set up to fail when things get hard in a game situation or the game of life, all of a sudden it's, it's really easy to just quit because you don't know how to fail properly, you know, and, and failure is an option and, and being able to, to learn that and, and grow through those things allows not only you as an individual, but the, the whole collective team to kind of grow uh, as a whole, for sure. Right. It's the definition of insanity, right? Hannah Huseman points out, you know, the same, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result and, you're right, Kelly. As coaches, if we're not learning from our failures, <laughs> just put me in a straitjacket and throw me in a four-walled white room, you know, and lock the door because that's pretty much where I'm going. Well, speaking of that, let's hear from Hannah. And I believe that's the same clip I got played up next for our last one to wrap this thing up with our guests. Uh, some of the highlights. We had a driven deal with this, and I think confidence we've talked about in some other podcasts we've had is is – how hard it is to build confidence in, in us coaching teams too um, without success or winning, you know, or winning or, or, or having good numbers or posting a good outing, um, staying process oriented and everything that guys are doing. Um, I, I know we preach a lot about finding something positive out of every performance. You know, there's obviously something you can take away from that. Um, but, but talk about that balance of, of a guy's really struggling. His process might be awesome, but, um, he's having tough luck that, that occurs in baseball a lot. And, and how do you kind of overcome that when, when someone's really struggling from a, a result standpoint? Yeah, so I love that question because it is very prominent in baseball, right? You can be doing everything right and not get the results you want or fail or strike out or whatever it is. Um, and so um, you guys know what the Twitter definition of insanity is? I don't know if it's the actual definition of insanity, but like what Twitter has made the definition of insanity. Do you guys know what it is? I think so. <laughs> like it's basically like doing the same thing yeah. over and over and expecting different right. results. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? right. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's insane. And I'm like, yeah, that's baseball. 
right? Like, because if you're doing everything right and like 10 times out of 10, like you're going to get a different result. Like you're not always going to do what you want to do and get the same result. But if what you're doing is working and it works three out of 10 times, we're not going to change it. Like you are going to do the same thing and you are going to expect different results next at bat, right? You're going to hit another line drive, but instead it's going to miss the shortstop's glove by two inches instead of him make this miraculous ESPN top 10 catch, right? And so that's, if your process is right, and, and that's the hardest part, right? Because it's so easy to get locked in on your outcomes and well, I struck out, well, I went over four today. Yeah, but look at the things that were working and look where you came from. And, and usually, you know, if you ask a player, would you rather go, three for four and like have horrible mechanics, but Hey, you have the outcomes or go over four and have solid mechanics and have a great game the next day. Like it's very tempting to be like, well, I really want that three for four, <laughs> you know, but the, the mm -hmm. solid, the great, no, like that's temporary and that's not going to last. And that's not going to get me to the big leagues if I'm not there. And so it, I think it, I think it's helping them see the bigger picture of, Yes, it may not have worked today, but it will work. Everyone's telling you it's going to work. Like you just have to keep chopping and eventually the tree's going to fall. That's something I say all the time is, you know, if you have an ax and you go out to the forest and you start chopping down a tree, you're not exactly sure when the tree is going to fall, right? But you know, eventually if you keep chopping, at some point it's going to fall. And so it's just, it's like nose to the ground. Like, and I know this is insane and I know it's driving you crazy, but I'm asking you to stay true to this process and see what happens. And then, you know, if it's a long extended amount of time and nothing's happening, then maybe our process needs to be adjusted a little bit. Um, but that's definitely something I challenge them with for sure. You know, that's so true guys. Like I was just brought that up there on our last question, but you know, that if, if we take life and we and we're, we go out with like, I love the example there, Hannah uses and takes an ax and just, you know, makes three hacks out of tree and, and looks at it and says, well, then fall over and set the ax to walk away. How are you going to get anywhere? You know, and that's the thing is it's exactly right. You're if you keep chomping at it, keep chomping at it, keep chomping, it's eventually going to fall over. You know, I, I tell this to my kids all the time, you know, I think I actually use that example on, on that particular podcast, but my daughter, you know, you know, talking about coaching her last, well, yeah, a year ago from now, <laughs> But, you know, talking about her shot and, you know, doing it, the, the whole aspect, doing it correctly, you know, um, getting her stance, you know, getting the load and doing the follow through, you know, and not coming up the hoop and taking the ball and just pushing the shot, you know, and, and uh, teaching her that, yeah, you may get the shot in now with the push, but if you aren't developing the right um, method or the right, you know, the structure of, the, the shot you're going to struggle as you get older because if you look at kids who have never had proper instruction on, on shooting a basketball it's kind of like hitting eventually they develop bad habits and so when you push a ball your basketball is going to have a tendency to go flat and so when I mean flat well it's going to go straight to the rim it's not going to create an arch well if you get to where you're going to follow through it creates that arch and so that ball has a spiral to it it gets above the rim to go in my whole point was with my daughters that you keep doing it right, eventually it's going to prevail. Well, she's a little stud now. Um, she goes out here into our basketball court uh, out in the backyard, and she just drains shots all day long and doing it the right way. Well, and if I were to just say, well, just keep pushing the shot and just do that, uh, where she may be successful now, she's going to fail it later. And I think that's where really what the point is there is that if, if we just say, hey, go make you know three or four or five, ten hacks at a, at a tree, 
or you know do do this or do that and expect to get a result um you're not going to necessarily get a result um and that's why in, like in the game of baseball it's so much about reps 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 yeah sure you may go in a weekend series you know go oh and you know 16 at the plate but you know the thing is is you're hitting the ball hard eventually you're going to get one through the middle you know and that's the thing is like I tell guys that we, you know, maybe getting a little, you know, hitters have this tendency to happen all the time. You get in a, a slump with your player and, you know, you just kind of get in a little, we call it the funk, right, guys? You know, and the thing is, is you just keep telling them, keep after it, keep after it, keep after it. That next, you know, the next at bat, you're going to get through. Boom, they get that double off the wall. And then all of a sudden, it's just, they come right out of it. And then next at bat, homer, next at bat, another single. Man, next at bat, double off the, in the gap scoring too, you know, I mean, it's just, it keeps adding on. And so I, I think it's important that we just continue to give those high fives and those encouragements to our players, but also to our staff, because maybe as a, you know, for me, I have a pitching coach that calls pitches, you know, he may, you know, call, you know, a slider on a, on a guy on a one, two, and he, he hits one down the line and gets a double and scores two runs. Well, I'm going to tell that our, my pitching coach, go back at that guy with that same pitch again. Let's go. You know, and the thing is, is that maybe we'll just change the location of it a little bit, you know, and not to be timid of that pitch, you know, and that's the thing is I think a tendency for kids is sometimes is that, especially as throwers, you know, is that we maybe get hit on a little bit. And so we kind of get a little of that timid or even as a coach, maybe timid to the call of that we don't have the confidence. So I, I think it's important that we continue to encourage to push through. Yeah, I think for me, it's <clears throat> it's finding a way to quantify the process. You know, we have traditional baseball stats and there's even new sabermetric stats and things like that. But there's a lot of ways to attach a number to the process. And, and I'll give a shout out to, to Derek Weldon with 643 Charts. We're, we're proud St. Martin's provider not following 643 charts i suggest to do it um there's a lot of breakdowns of of different situations and the results of those situations you know the batting averages and no two counts the importance of winning winning the one one throwing two strikes in the first three um if you can establish that process you might get beat right you might get to a one two count and give up a hit still um or or get to a six seven eight pitch at bat and get a quality at bat if you keep a quality at bat chart and might fail. But what you find is if you're successful in those processes more often than you're not, you're going to set yourself up to be really successful. If you're the pitcher that's always in a 2-0 count or always in hitters count, you know, naturally you're going to eventually get hit. You might get away with it from time to time. You might get lucky, but in general, you know, those things are going to going to even themselves out in the end. Um, so figuring out one, what's, what's most important for you as a coach, what do you call, um, want to quantify? What do you feel is most important? And there's, there's plenty of information out there that, that tells you some of those percentages and things, but start keeping track of that, you know, and, and not only, not only can you use it to help a player that's down, um, you know, but you can also use it to kind of level out a guy that, that might be going good, but it might be kind of smoke and mirrors in that given situation. Um, but but mo most of the time, it's it's that great buildup, the guy that's got hit around a little bit, um, you know, that might give up five, six hits in an inning, but 
he's throwing strikes. He's commanding the zone. He's locating all his pitches. He's just in a spell where, where guys get hot. And we know the hitting's contagious. We know that pitching is contagious too, that when guys are going good, everyone wants to be out there and be successful. But just knowing that naturally things regress to the mean, um, you know, over time. And, and so if you can find ways to quantify things at practice and we, we keep, we keep hard hit charts, we keep quality at bat charts. We have a pitch chart that keeps track of, you know, some of those count things, um, you know, on or out and four or less winning the one, one, yada, yada, yada. Um, but if you can, you can kind of quantify those things and keep a chart, um, the things that you value the most, naturally you're going to see the process win in the, in the end, but um, it, it takes some time. It takes some effort. Um, and it really takes, you know, not only acquiring the information, but compiling it and then sharing it with the team afterwards. But uh, we found that it's, it's really important. Well, guys, this has been a fun season one. I know that we had just a few clips today, but we could have taken clips from every single episode because I think every one of them we had was, was uh, awesome. It was game changing, you know, so lucky to be a part of this thing and so lucky. Thank you to you fans out there listening We're you know, we're closing in on 5,000 total listens so far. Excited for those numbers to keep going higher. Um, thank you to all our guests that we've had to take time away from their families to come on with us and talk the game baseball. It's been a great experience. I know it's gotten us through the, the COVID shutdown, but yet it's still going to get us through the winter. Uh, it's going to get us into the spring and the years. And, and if you're listening right now, and we may not have the coaches' clinics this year that we get to go to, and if you're listening and, and there's something for me, the winter time, I usually I can slow down with my job and I try to think of what can I get better as a coach and what can I learn. So if, is there a topic out there, maybe someone that you want to hear from, please send us a DM on any of our social media stuff, Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner. Let us know what you might be wanting to get a little bit better at. And we'll go find that person that will help us get better at that certain topic. So please feel free to reach out to us. Again, the giveaway, we're giving away the, the Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter cage jacket these things are awesome we'll get a picture out on twitter or twitter <laughs> twitter and facebook tonight and if you go on itunes rate and review take a screenshot of your rate and review tweet at us send it in the dm if you want on facebook or twitter and we will put your name into a drawing for a free hat t-shirt and this cage jacket oh by our other sponsor safeguard so thank you to safeguard thank you to devo bats get on their instagram twitter facebook Check them out. Inventory blowout sale, Black Friday through Cyber Monday. Stay tuned for a 10% fungo banner discount and a lot of fun things leading up to Christmas. Guys, thank you. Good. Thank you for joining us. We're super excited, guys. We have a great lineup for season two coming up here soon. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. So, like I said, reach out to us. Let's keep in touch, fans, and take care of one another. Be kind, and let's get back to baseball. Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter is part of the Big Country Media Podcast Network. Please check out all episodes anywhere you get your podcast. And for you iTunes listeners, please get on there, rate, and review our podcast. 
Check us out and follow for all your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner updates on Twitter and Facebook at Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner.